Hello, I'm Pete George, and we are live on Game Changers with Vicki Abelson, our guest tonight, is Jason Butler Harner. Jason. Hello, how are you? Uh, you know, we've been trying to do this for a long time. It's true. It is like the fourth. Fourth time is the charm. Okay, so what I'm thinking is, I don't know if the first time you had a conflict, and then the next time... Oh, he, yeah, yeah, then... He I know signed Morales, and yeah, yeah. he could do it, he could only do it that week, and you guys had worked... Did you guys work on Ozark together? Uh, no, we didn't have any scenes together. You didn't have any scenes together. No. But you were very gracious about it. And then it's been like three times since that you've... It's true. Been busy and then went to go visit my dad. And so, But now we're here. But now we're here. But you're a working actor and that means that you... And you actually work. So that's a really good thing. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. So before we go back in, in time, tell us about what you've got coming up. It's exciting. So I have a new show called Next. Uh, it's and it has... Now what is it with the letters? It goes... The N -E X is enlarged. Why? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's one of those um, things. I it's, a, it's about artificial intelligence taking over the world. And who are you? Uh, I am, so there's two brothers. John Slattery is our hero. Great. And I'm his younger brother. And it's, we have a company, and he's created a, a, uh, a device that's like Alexa, but it's called Next. It's called Eliza. Oh. And basically, it's a computer program that is taking over the world. And it'll be on Fox. So <laughs> it'll be it? Fox, and then there's a troop. There's a whole team of amazing actors who are playing, um, like this FBI team that are oh. trying to figure it out. So you've been FBI before. We'll, we'll I've been FBI, but I'm not FBI. In You're this. not. I'm, FBI. Like a, I'm like a tech guy. So, so do you have to like know tech things to do this? No, because I'm like the money part of the tech, oh. and John is the brains of the tech. So are you like the dumb side? You're not dumb. They, He's not dumb, but John is like the savant. John is the one. Yeah. So, um, and and do you have like so now? Yeah. Now, we now I guess like oh, I really need a haircut. <laughs> so, so um, hi Lorraine, hi Pete, Pete. Pete watches and, and listens so that oh, he can look. see. Yeah. Hi so, Pete. So, yeah. Hi Lorraine. So, so yeah, and then we'll see. If anybody has any questions for Jason, it's too early to say that because people aren't on yet. There, but they'll be slowly joining us. Okay. Okay. So, so. You go to Chicago. We are filming in Chicago in uh, the winter time. In the winter, <laughs> which is. Um, but the show takes place in Portland, and or it starts off in Portland, and then I don't know where if it's going to go anywhere. I don't know. And I I literally know nothing other than the pilot. And how many episodes are you shooting? Uh, I believe ten. Okay, so but it's Fox. It's Fox. I been I did a show on Fox before called Alcatraz, so it's nice to go Jewel. back did with Jerry Jewell. Played my sister. Hi, Jerry. Jerry. She played my sister, and I forget. We shot in this beautiful mansion until like 3 in the morning. Oh, yeah. I remember I made a joke. I made some joke to her. Like, it was late. I, whatever. Did it have to do with the prison? No, it made a joke. Oh. We, we <laughs> It was a dumb joke. We, we'd been sitting next to each other all night, and we were trying to, she and I were trying to create stories about each other, and I made a joke about my left foot. I was like, come on. We were like going home. It was like 3.30 in the morning. I was like, get in this wheelbarrow, and I'm going to wheel you out of here. And she just started laughing, like hitting me, saying, you're so bad, you're so bad. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Well, I got away with it then. I wouldn't get away with it now. <laughs> As so many things. It's true, right? It's so many things. So, okay, so Jason, I've known you for a, for a pretty long time, but I don't know a lot about how your career happened. I've seen you in many things, though. Yeah. I saw you on Broadway last year. That, that was, was a pretty, good time, right? That was pretty... Bernard Hamlet. That was very exciting. It's coming. The play is going to be done at the Geffen. 
um, in the spring this season. Different director, different cast, but the same play. And do you know, is anybody doing it that we might know? Uh, no, not that I okay. know. They haven't announced it yet. Mm -hmm. I wonder who's going to be. I did it with Janet McTeer, and we were lovers. She played Sarah Bernhardt. I played Edmund Rostand, who wrote Cyrano de Bergerac, and uh, they were lovers and all this stuff. So uh, I don't know who's going to do it. Here. Juicy love scene in that. I've seen Jason naked on stage. I wasn't okay. naked in that one. Though. With with Haley um, Pfeiffer. Oh, Hallie, yeah. Hallie. She um, was naked. I wasn't naked. You were, you, were, you were pretty. You were sitting up on the... Th we were right in front of you. And she it, not was... Not from her head. No, you, you were... This is what's so interesting. <laughs> I was performing cunnilingus on her. Oh, you she were... She was in the... In the well, sink, I remember I, it. she opened her legs, and my head was blocking her. So see, this is interesting see, about now, you. And I, and I think of it as you being on the sink and her no. going down on you. <laughs> she was in the sink, telling me a sad story, and then also. Okay, you know. the point is that Jason is do, always doing weird sex. Ozark, intense sex scene. In Ozark. She, that's so true. I have Come one on. sec. I had two sex scenes. One uh -huh. where I get a blowjob. Yes. From a hustler. Well, but he was, it wasn't intense because of the blowjob, it was intense because he was a little crazy. Yeah. And then I had like a love scene with a guy. Uh, on Ozark, I play Agent Roy, or I played Agent Roy Petty, and uh, he was an FBI guy who was also gay, and um, I fell in love with the guy, uh, and then he died, but not my fault. He didn't <laughs> die because of me. He, he died because of Julia Garner. Everybody oh. thinks I killed him. Well, yeah. I didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, I forced his hand, and then... She fried him. All right, that's a spoiler. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen, it <laughs> yeah. dropped a year. The second season dropped a year ago, so I think we're out of the uh, yeah. the term limits. You know. Although you know, with Netflix now, people like I binge things that are. Don't you binge things that are not timely, but you go back and binge something? Mm. What are you binging these days? Do you have anything good you're binging? I mean, I've, I recently watched all of Years and Years on HBO. It's the Emma Thompson, um, Rory, what's his name? And uh, it's about, uh, anyway, it's called Years and Years, mm -hmm. six episodes. I also watched all of Euphoria. How was that? It was good. It was very well acted, very well, well done, very well written. And, and, um, and uh, I mean, they were, the acting was really pretty great. I, I get nervous about things that are anti- that may inadvertently be glamorizing drug use. So I was that was my question throughout. Obviously it's bad and you see bad things happen to people. Ozark certainly did not do that. No, Ozark is <laughs> Ozark is Ozark is a how to launder money. How to launder money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love when he was putting it behind the walls. So and 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 Ray Donovan, another like incredible villain there. Did he wasn't a villain. Wait a this minute. is what's so funny. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Just Ray wait. Donovan <laughs> I'm right on it. I was married to Katie Holmes and had been a family friend for her whole life. And then what was revealed was that Ian so, McShane, yes. who was the villain against Liev, yeah. Ian, I was like a lover of Ian McShane. Yeah. And he killed me because he so didn't want to out himself. No. no wait, what, I got wait, hit with the pool wait, 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 at a fireplace. There's something with a swimming pool. When you were naked you? and that was no. Weird, right? No. Never, there was no love scenes. My, my, there were no love scenes in the Ray Donovan or in my, uh, Scandal or Homeland. I could have sworn you had a scene or... with John Voight at no. Swimming Pool. No. Do we have a white guest? Somebody oh, else. This is so Somebody bad. else. This is so bad. My memory is so scary. I did scary. not do anything. You did nothing by a swimming pool. Hi, Penny. Um, all right. So 
let's go back because okay. I, I don't know about your humble beginnings. So you were oh. telling Pete and I wasn't listening. So, uh. <laughs> so I know I purposely wasn't listening. Hi, Pete. Hey. Pete George back there. I'm back here. Pete was in um, Shawshank Redemption oh. years ago, right? So he just went back for the 25th anniversary and there was like what this they whole do? big they had almost 30,000 people at the prison. Um, oh. Frank Darabont, Rector was there, almost all the lead actors except for Morgan and Tim because they were shooting. But it was this monster weekend of like VIP wow. events, thousands of people. It was in, it was a moving weekend, and even they all said the lead actor said this changed our life this weekend. Wow! So I have tons of pictures. That's too. so yeah. moving. Yeah, it was great. Was the guy? Is that guy who was the warden? He was there. He was there. Yeah, he was there. Um, and by the way, I was naked in the shower. Next to Tim Robbins. <laughs> so there we go. Not this weekend, but in the film. <laughs> Tim Robbins direct. I did a pilot for him. He directed that didn't go for Showtime a few years ago. With how was that? It was fun. Um, because I had met Susan before, Susan, and um, and then uh, it was really fun to meet him. Yeah. Um, and then he directed, and it was about three brothers. It was me. Uh, Josh Lucas and Tim Blake Nelson were were brothers, which is if you look at yeah, you don't <laughs> Google us all and <laughs> look next to each other, and you don't really look like brothers. But uh, it was fun. My storyline was uh, I was like the good son. It was like a wealthy family. It was interesting. It was about pharmaceuticals, pharmaceutical industry. We could have been the what's their name, the Sulkins or whatever yeah. with the. You could have been next. I'm looking like we're, we're off center. Are, are oh, are we? Yeah. So well, you're yeah. straddling me. Uh, so now, now I'm having I'm, a memory about yeah, you. So, now, I'm, how many so times have I seen you? So now I'm trying to get us in the center. Yeah, my picture's Oh, wait, wait. This is not, that's not allowed. Okay. Okay, but CC, we, we're still kind of off. Yeah. Come in. Oh, yeah. You, Pete, closer. you're not. You, I think I should go right and you yes. should come left. Yeah, because look. Oh, wait, I'm going, oh. No, no you should, to to, you you should to come closer, towards me. That's right. No, you should come to me. That's yeah. what I was doing. You want to start over? No, because now, now look at where the pictures are. No, but look it. I, we can go over Look here. it. The pictures no. are centered. They look at no. Come here. Come, come here. You're no, not wrong. Listen. That's you, good right there. You want to be, you, no, but you, your you're, arm you're, is you're, off. You're, you're, you need a crew. We need a crew. Okay, because it's going to bother me until we get this right. There's Rick Smokey. Okay, I want to say something. Do you want to have a, but do you want to see, I just want to see, do you want to see the wall over this shoulder? Or yes, no? I don't So like come closer fact. to me. Trust I me. I Keep coming. I, I there it is. See? The other way. That's it. Okay. That's it? That's. No. Yes. It's, yeah, it's going to. Yeah, it's weird. See, still... watch, here you go. <laughs> it, yes. it looks oh good to me. You're hilarious. Okay, so Rick Smokey, I want to talk about Rick Smokey. Okay. Rick, Okay, so we did that. I saw P these in the bathroom, and we, I was intrigued. We did that little PSA for um, yeah the veterans. For the veterans, yeah. In fact, this is from Women Who Write, and when you're back from Chicago, I would love you to do one. We had one yesterday. What do you, you know, Lady Kazan. Yeah. So it, it's uh, and so um, who made these? So Rick Smokey made these of quick impressions in Chicago. Oh, Rick Smokey Rick, made these. Rick. Jason is going to Chicago, and he's going to be there till February. Rick is going to hook you up. And the holidays are coming up, <laughs> and I want. You remember those cubes when we were well when I was a kid? Yeah, I'm an older kid. When they, they had the photos and you could the cubes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Those were like plastic. Those back. How yeah. come that's not that's no. not gone back well, to Urban Outfitters? Well, is it? Now, now Rick can make it for you on on these, and you right. put the little tissue box inside. And so Rick Smokey, Quick Confessions in Chicago. He is like the most philanthropic, hmm. most wonderful guy. He does all this stuff for veterans. Wow. He also 
if you need anything printed, he will so take care of you. Wow. But he'll also, like, he knows, like, all the music that's happening in Chicago and oh, all that great. kind of stuff and all the restaurants and oh, where good. you want to go. I've so. only gone for, I did a, I recurred on a series that's out there called Betrayal. Oh, yeah. But, um, so I only know it a little bit. And I did a long, I did a play in New York of our town. I took over and it was based in Chicago. It was from the, a Chicago company. So I have a lot of Chicago actor friends. Oh, that nice. either moved there, stayed there. So you'll be connected. A little bit. So but I don't know the city so well, so. Well, Rick. Rick Smokey. Rick's coming. And <laughs> Show he, me he around. Made, he made my bookmarks. He made my cards. Wow. He, he's wonderful. Rick is wonderful. And, um, and then also my hairdresser. I have to give Nicole a shout. So. You see wow. my hairspray? Fuck off. Yes, it's called Fuck Off. Nicole Venables of the Ruby Begonia Salon. <laughs> and uh, she can make you blonde like me. Or not. But she's pretty wonderful. But how does she do this? She, all the, yeah. I no. want to know the story of those. So, you know, I've Craig, known you for all this long, but Craig, I don't know anything Craig, about that story. Craig, okay. who is my stylist, who oh. is uh, the head wardrobe per He is this stylist. No. I, he gets mad at me. He is the costume designer Craig. of Man With A Plan. Okay. Okay. And and Nicole, my the designer. Yes, he okay. is now the head designer. Okay. And Nicole Venables, my hairdresser, is the hairdresser on Man with a Plan, oh. which is um, Matt LeBlanc. Wow. And so they're on that show. So anyway, so Craig got me the feathers maybe almost ten years ago because Stephen Tyler right hat was sporting my feathers friend, in those days. My friend Aaron Keeney was just at the concert with Stephen Tyler in the front row. And there's video I'll show it to you on Facebook where in slow mo where he comes out and he's like. <laughs> and he gets like this close to her. Really? Spring. Yeah, she was dying. Yeah, she was very happy. I bet she was. Was he sober at the time? He's sober. It was just actually. last night or the night before wow. last. Or something. Oh, that's so cool. Well, that's thrilling to be the person that they pick out. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that. <laughs> liked um, it. Vicky, do you have a cold? Oh. Well, do I sound nasal? Robert's How are you two doing? I, um, Rick. Oh, Rick's saying thank you for doing the PSA. Oh, I'm um, very happy to. And so, uh, anyway, so Rick, you're going to take care of Jason because he's coming to Chicago. Yeah, okay, you'll do that. So, so Jason, so where'd yeah. you grow up? Because I don't know about this. So, I was born in a small town. I was born in Elmira, New York. Elmira, where, where is that? Um, it's like near the Pennsylvania border. Okay. And uh, it's like Mark Twain country. There's a prison there that you see, a Civil War prison, Ooh. Elmira College. So it's okay. a big Mark Twain, Watkins Glen, Cornell. Oh, why was it? I, went I mean, to uh, Glen. Corning is there. And so then, about 45 minutes to an hour away is Ithaca, where oh, a lot okay. of relatives. That's, so you grew up in Cold. So Cold, we, you're not new to Cold. When I was five, we moved to Virginia, and I was raised in Virginia, uh, Northern Virginia, and spent all my all those years moving around Northern Virginia a lot. And then I lived in New York City for 23 years, and I've lived in LA for about six. Okay, so how, wow. what, what was the first thing? Did you want to be an actor right from the get-go? How did that start for you? I, uh... Wait, what did you want to be before you wanted to be an actor? I didn't know, actually. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I thought, I was going to, I went to, um, when I was in high school, I did drama in high school. I did musicals in high school. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do the plays. I didn't do my Why? first play. The first, the first, when I moved into high school, we, I mean, we did these, like, these kind of plays, but they weren't, they had music and like, we did these kind of they plays. They weren't like, it was like called like the, what was Why? the one? There was, they were like, you know, they would make these plays for seventh and eighth grade, but they're like specifically for them, unique for it. Like it's not, it's not a, it's not a real play. It's a real play, but it's not like the crucible. It's not like, I didn't do the crucible, Okay. but they did like, when I went to high school, they did ordinary people. 
Oh, and that's intense. Yeah, we had a cool program. In Alexandria. In Alexandria wow. at T.C. Williams, Remember the Titans. And uh, so uh, they did it, but I wanted to play Conrad, but the teacher, Jerry Fillmore, was afraid that I would kill myself if I played the suicidal Conrad. And then, anyway, so wow. then I did the musicals. I did like... Peter Pan, I played Michael, that's a funny story. And okay, then let, I, let's hear the funny story while we're We did here. Peter Pan, yeah. for, we flew in 1987. Wait. We flew in the high school, we actually flew. In high school? Yeah, before all of the craze that is the high school drama programs. So we flew, but for insurance reasons, the, parents, the parents had to fly us. So um, I was like five. The parents had to, your own you, parents. The parents had to, yeah. So my mom is like five foot and she like ninety five pounds wet at the time, and I was like five four and one hundred and sixty five one seventy. Right. So I was a big boy, and um, my mom had decided they would be smart to uh, wrap the rope around her arm, and instead, when I jumped off or oh, stepped no, off, got- I started flying her because I obviously weighed more than she did. Like nobody thought about, it. and then. <laughs> John's dad, the guy, the actor Alex who played John, his dad had to reach over and pull her down, and then I like shot up and we're doing that. It was like a whole thing, and I like looked into the wings, and was mad, like I was like jo- Michael's. I don't know if you remember, but like to in order to fly in Peter Pan, you have to think lovely thoughts. Yes, you have right, ice so, cream. Right, exactly. Ice cream, Christmas. I flew. Yeah. School. Yeah, Did and we were covered in bruises because the there was like it was Foy, but it wasn't Foy. I think that's the name of the company. My wow. one of my one of my closest friends years later when we met, he was he was raised in Southern Virginia, and he did it <laughs> at Mill Mountain. But the um, Michael had a Southern accent, so he would always say "Flan," like um "Flan," and they kept trying to say. <laughs> They kept trying to teach this kid to say flying, but he'd just say flan. And then <laughs> while they were singing, I'm flying. You know that song? Yes, I know that song. I'm flan. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, I guess that kind of changes things. A little bit. A little bit. So so did you study voice? Did you study acting? What did you do? I took like drama classes. and uh, But really, the, so there was a drama teacher. And then also, and we did plays. We did a musical in the spring and a play and thing. In the fall, and then we, um, but there was a teacher, a voice and debate, a speech and debate teacher who was very instrumental. He had like forensics, you know, where you go and you have oral delivery or debate or mm-hmm. those things. I did that, and then I took a course in my senior year where I was teaching kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught a girl with severe Downs named Karsha, and I really liked it. And I, my mom had worked for the United Way of America. We moved to Virginia because my mom was working for the United Way of America, got recruited, mm-hmm. and um. I really liked it, and so I thought I was going to teach kids with special needs. My grades were all over the place in high school because I was a bit of an emotional kid, and stuff was going on. And then, um, yeah, and then I so I didn't get into I, I applied so half-assed, but I was the president of the drama club and the president of the thespian society. So I had done an audition for the Virginia all the Virginia schools, like you do this like the Virginia Theater Conference, the VTAs. And all of the colleges in Virginia would be present. So you could audition for any acting program, BFA, BA program, in the state of Virginia at the same time. 
Oh, wow. So I did that as a, just a, like, luck be a lady, and uh, I did that, and... Uh, and did you do something else as backup? Or, like, I did. I thought you wanted to be a teacher. Though. I thought I, I wanted to be a teacher, but my grades were over, all, and I applied to, like, uh, uh, like Cornell, I applied. Nice. Did not get in. Did not get in. And um, anyway, so April rolled around. I didn't have anywhere to go, and April rolled around, and I didn't want to go to my undergrad, Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, where I... In December, I gave the uh, entire School of the Arts co- uh, graduate commencement speech. And this this and, year? Yeah. And nice. And, and taught the program. Uh-huh. Amazing what's happened. Anyway, so April rolled around. I hadn't opened the letter from VCU because I had I didn't think highly of the school at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then April third opened that letter and it said we'd love we saw your piece from the dark at the top of the stairs, <laughs> and uh, we'd love to offer you a spot. And then I was like, well, I got nowhere else to go. So that was a moment of something saying, well, you're gonna go here. So I went there, and then that's when I started studying. And that I had a great teacher named Gary Hopper, who I'm still friends with, and his wife Liz Hopper. It was the head of the uh, costume design, mm-hmm. and she was an amazing. They were really uh, extremely formative in terms of like taking this. I knew at that moment when I graduated high school that things were, I had to do something. Uh, otherwise, it was going to be uh, not good. And then I went there and I thought, we'll see. And then I really liked it. I didn't know if I was going to like acting. I don't have, pre- I mean, I have creative people in my family, but nobody had. Did, did, did you have to- like a moment of, like, did something happen to spark that passion? Uh, was there a role? Was there a... Well, the first play I did was a play by A.R. Gurney mm-hmm. called What I Did Last Summer, which is like the goy of Brighton Beach Memoirs, <laughs> which I did do Brighton Beach Memoirs like two years later in Richmond mm-hmm. and won the Phoebe Award, the wow. coveted Phoebe Award, which okay. was named after the critic's poodle, Phoebe, that I learned later. Anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, so... So I went... So anyway, so I knew when I was doing that play... That I really liked it, mm-hmm. and um, there were a lot of shiny people. You know, you're 17, 18 years old. You mm-hmm. go to college. I was seventeen, right? I graduated, so it was, I was seventeen, and I and then I turned eighteen in my first my freshman year. And I just I just worked hard, and I really liked it, and I was good at it, and it was important to me. And the theater, it's you know, like the the theater really did. I've said this before, but the theater really did save my life. Not just in that instance, How but so? then in other ways. It gave me. Uh, a direction, a focus. I was good at something. I, I had a place to use this compassion and this sense of what's important to tell, and then um, these emotions I was going through. Like it really so, it gave me the the community of the theater is a mm-hmm. is a pretty unique one. That that's why I try to do a play every year if I can. Still, there was a time when I was doing four to five plays a year. And then I wanted to pay off my graduate student loans <laughs> from NYU. Congratulations! Yeah, and uh, yeah. and so then I was able to start doing more film and television. So, did you study a technique? Were you? Ju- I've learned a bunch of different techniques. So, so what what's worked for you? What what? I I think you take mm. from places and use them. So what obviously there's. So in undergrad, there was a, you know, it was all about actions, obstacles, which was a Stanislavski-based mm-hmm. technique with some thoughts. Then there was, a, there was a guy there who was a graduate student, uh, and he was an older graduate student, he just needed a master's, named CC, who'd gone to like the new, the neighborhood playoffs, so he did like uh, Meisner, mm-hmm. which was sort of new when I was an undergrad, I graduated in 92, 
And so then we started learning a little bit of Meisner, but it was kind of foreign to me. Mm -hmm. Then I went and I started. How was Meisner different? What what was foreign? Meisner's like you repeat, you know, the thing where you say like, we you just stare at somebody and you you just you say like, um, you're wearing a pink shirt and you say I'm wearing a pink shirt and say you're wearing a pink shirt. You go back and forth. It's then what then they then I spent a year after that I got into the. Apprentice program at Actors Theatre of Louisville, mm-hmm. uh, and which at the time had the preeminent um, new American play festival, the Humana Festival, which they still have, and you still go do there. Anyway, so that was a big deal. After I graduated, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I got into this program as an apprentice, unpaid, unhoused, but you take courses, and you run the shows, and you're working in a, in a, a functioning major regional theater for a season. And that theater depends on those... When I was there, it was 16 or 18 of us, and now it's a lot more because basically you're running their shows for free, you know, so that you take in exchange for uh, courses. So at that school, I met Ann Bogart. Mm-hmm. Ann Bogart at the time, she has a thing called the Viewpoints. It's a technique of acting. It's a physical technique of acting that was created with uh, herself and somebody in the, um, uh, what's it called, ETW in that studio at NYU. Mm-hmm. And it's about movement-based kinesthetic response. Oh, that's like, like the that. new... Is that the, um... And then they also worked, did Suzuki, which was a technique of stomping into the floor, a Japanese thing called Suzuki. And I learned that while I was there, and that blew my mind because it was a very physical way of mm-hmm. working. And also this guy there taught a thing called Practical Aesthetics, which was the Atlantic Theater Group That's what's with David Mamet. Mamet. And then um, Meisner merged into a hybrid of that, where mm-hmm. it's a similar thing. Mm-hmm. about. Uh, it's also about pragmatism and taking off like emotionality, just trying to go for the communication. So when you get a role, Jason, now, and I assume it's all organic for you? I mean, do you... I love doing research, depending on what it is. Okay. I mean, depending on, like, if you... There's some things now that you're like, I don't, I, like, I mean... Like, if you get a tell, you have this television role on Next. Yeah. Like, what are you going to, how are you, you going to... I started, so, the television show that's about artificial intelligence taking over the world and, you know, the way that we've already, it's already involved in everything. Right. But for me, the story is, as I currently see it, and I haven't seen any scripts beyond the first one, and I can't really share anything, but it's about two brothers. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's very much about this artificial intelligence taking over the world and obviously it's predominantly about John Slattery, mm-hmm. Slattery and the FBI head who becomes his partner Fernanda um, Andrade and um, Fernanda Andrade and she's amazing and beautiful and incredible and so it's really them mm-hmm. and then I'm his brother and she has a team of people and all this stuff. Right. So for me the story is about brothers and okay. sibling rivalry and uh, and um, what happens when siblings go in business together mm-hmm. and who leads who at what point. Mm-hmm. So um, I was reading stuff about um, Roy and Walt Disney mm-hmm. and made, made a decision there. I read mm-hmm. stuff about the Wright brothers. I read stuff about um, the Koch brothers. Like I started reading about successful and unsuccessful um, business ventures that went into that. And plus I love watching The Prophet. Mm-hmm. So I just watched a bunch of the episodes of The Prophet. Mm-hmm. You know what that show is? You don't even no, know what that show is. What it it's is. the best show. What is it? The Prophet is a um The Prophet is a show where this guy, Marcus Limonis, goes in, they have businesses that are struggling, and he comes in to try to help figure out how to make them. He he'll he'll make an investment in the business 
to help so it. So it's like Shark Tank or something? It's like Shark Tank, but Which it's... Which I've also never seen. Shark Tank is amazing, but now okay. it's... But it's, it's, uh, it's genuine. Like, okay. it's actually genuine because he's going in and if it's a family business... Mm-hmm. Um, and well, Shark just, Tank's not genuine? Shark Tank is like, now that it's become so successful mm-hmm. and there's articles about, listen, you can go there and you can get a deal and you can change your life, for sure. Um, but now it's, people are hip to the way it works in a different way. Anyway, and similarly on The Prophet, is anybody else commenting on The Prophet? No, nobody cares about The Hi Prophet. Peg. <laughs> Hi Peg, watch The Prophet. Anyway, I love Do that show. Do you know show. about The Prophet, Pete? Oh yeah. You yeah. do? He was naked in it. No. Yeah right. <laughs> that's a that's my uh, that's my reality show. That and I'll watch a million dollar listing every now and then. A million dollar listing. There's well, a show called Million Dollar Listing. It's all about house realtors in New York and LA. Well, we went to a realtor's party. We went to a, a luau on Saturday night. A realtor who does million dollar deals and he has an unbelievable home. And wow. Yeah, and it yeah. was it's pretty amazing. Like yeah. Overlooking all of LA, you know, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Those wow. people make some serious coin. They make some serious coin. Unlike anyway. the actors. Okay, so let's get back so to let's go back to me. So, 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 so you do the undergraduate and, do the undergraduate. and you start to study. Do the undergraduate. We were, I was, we were going to move to New York. Wait, do you have a plan B when you're, no. you're, you're going to be an actor? I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I thought, I didn't, I, no, I, I mean, I just got a, I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Okay. So I had taken a bunch of other courses while I was there, art history and stuff that I cared mm-hmm. about. It was really helpful and a lot of movement and dance, but um, everything else was required. So I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a backup plan. Um, and my girlfriend and I at the time and my one of my closest friends, Joy uh, Bleeker, we were all going to move to um, New York. We decided we're going to do it. We're going to move to New York. And then I Right audition. out of undergrad. Right out of undergrad. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to go home to Northern Virginia, make money. And then moved to New York. Well, what were your day jobs? Well, that summer before, I, so then I got into Louisville, which, as I said, was unpaid. Oh, and so unpaid. You, unpaid, unhoused. So I had no unhoused. money. I had how no way you, to make money. How did you? I do went on that? food stamps. First, what I did was I I worked my rent? I worked my tail off. I had like four jobs. I worked at a restaurant called Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> I worked at a place <laughs> called Marvelous Market, and then I, this was in. Um, uh, DC, Virginia, mm-hmm. and so we had a friend that my parents had a company, and I got a job for the summer because there was a somebody was on maternity leave or something, and I worked at a thing called the American Meat Institute, which is a lobbyist for meat, um, and so I would work there in Roslyn, I think it was, every day, and then I go and I work at the restaurant, and then I mean I I, so you were just I saving all your money. I just worked my butt off, and I lived at the time my mom and my uh, former stepfather. Had uh, I just lived with them? Mm-hmm. I lived with them, and I just I just worked. Soccer work, money, work, work, work. So And I think I made like, I think I made like eleven thousand dollars or something. Oh, wow! Which well, that's pretty substantial. Yeah, especially yeah. like nineteen ninety uh, in those jobs. You know what I mean? I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then I um, and then I went to Louisville. I ran out of money. I got uh, some food stamps. I would clean the actors' apartments for some money before they left. Um, I just did it, and then I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. How'd I, you move to New York? Where'd I, you get money? How did I move to New York? I don't. I really New had York's no not money. The cheapest place to no, live. even then, and at yeah. that time, when I moved to New York in 1992, mm-hmm. and we lived in Astoria, um, you know, and a lot of people live in Astoria, but when I lived in Astoria then in 1992, mm-hmm. it was it, it is it's a Greek community, right? Right. And uh, it, it hadn't 
in terms of that kind of gentrification, like that wasn't. And now it's there's beer gardens and there's Greek communities right. there, but now everybody everybody lives there. Um, so I lived there for a year and a half, and then did are a bunch you, of are plays. You work, okay, I so. also did a bunch of. I worked at. Oh my god. I would temp. I work. I had a job. I answered phones for the Spirit of New York. Those boats that go around, mm-hmm. and there's a f- some funny stories there. I worked at the front desk for the New York Hilton and Towers, and I also did like six off, off, off Broadway plays. And do you get paid for those? No, no, no. So I just would leave the. I would leave that house in a story like at six a.m. Get home at one a.m. I just. I don't know how. I did. I did it because I wanted to do how it. How are you auditioning for plays? If I had you're working during the. Day. I didn't audition because basically some of them were graduate school Columbia grad productions because I had done this thing where I met Anne Bogart who mm-hmm. is this amazing teacher thinker they had students that needed people to be in like I played Richard II at Columbia University in the cathedral up in the pulpit and doing all I this was stuff the corner from Columbia. Yeah. yeah good housing up there anyway so then I did nice. that and then I did a play called the first review I got was this play called Loved Less The History of Hell <laughs> and it was, um, it was, uh, they took direct testimony from three cases, the Menendez brothers, the Bobbitt wow. case, mm-hmm. and then the case of the Indiana high school girls that were, uh, that killed the other girl, Hope, and they, or no, the girl, Hope poured the gas. There was like a lesbian love affair that happened in Indiana, and they, anyway, so they took the transcript, they set it against this thing, and we had to do this, like, line dancing I it was the whole thing and uh, yeah I played Eric Menendez so now oh, wow yeah. um, and then I auditioned on a whim I didn't believe in grad school I didn't believe but and I what do you mean you didn't believe in grad school my undergrad experience when I was at undergrad the mm-hmm. grad students though some of them were great they were great thinkers some of them were going to go on to become educators mm-hmm. but in terms of becoming actors mm-hmm. at the time it wasn't It was. It didn't. It wasn't a good incentive to go to grad school, basically. <laughs> so, when I went to Louisville, I met all of these other people who had gone to fancier schools. That mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about Williamstown, or I didn't know any about that stuff. Uh-huh. I, didn't, I just didn't know. And then I started hearing about oh, grad school and Yale and oh, and oh. And so then I was hustling and I did all these plays, but I didn't have any agency. I didn't have any access, mm-hmm. and that was. Obviously, at a time when you really did send your headshot and stuff, right, and, right. and I had, I knew that when I went to this Louisville thing, and I, I now had something more to Was talk about. Was that the about. only regional theater you had done? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I went there, uh-huh. and I didn't have my equity card. I was in like the membership program, and uh-huh. I did. Uh, I was in like Born Yesterday and uh, another play, and then I worked on a bunch. Were but you I, getting? You you weren't getting reviewed while you were doing these little these no. little no you're not getting no there were fun people so, in that class though like there was uh-huh. that cast had there were sixteen of us I think it was, it was either sixteen or eighteen it was like nine men nine women and it's interesting with those people Jerry says hi by the way Jerry is saying hi oh, hey Jerry hi Jerry um, okay Jerry so uh, I heard about you why didn't we have our own <laughs> spinoff of Alcatraz <laughs> of our, I forget our last name Tiller the Tillers why didn't we have our Jerry own Jewel spin-off? was Jason's sister, sister. yeah. That was really fun. Anyway. Um, so, so you're not making money. You're thinking about grad school. So I'm not making money. I'm thinking about grad school. I, I was thinking about grad school first. I didn't think about it from a business perspective. I just thought about it from an acting perspective. When I was doing that Richard II, <coughs> I thought, I have some skills. I know certain things. But in terms of, especially at that time, I didn't have... 
I have a certain affinity and respect for language. It's part of the way my mm -hmm. reasoning of being an actor and my desire. But when I was playing Richard II, I was like, I, I didn't get enough. I certainly did not get enough classical training mm -hmm. in my undergrad mm -hmm. to deal with text like this. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, maybe. And I also didn't know how to get out of the grind. And I could tell my friends that I was living with did not like New York and they were not going to pursue a career in acting. I see. And I met one of my first best friends while I was there, Trey, which is an interesting story. Uh, but anyway, so he was working at a high-end restaurant. Well, tell the story. Money. I met Trey. I met Trey. I moved there. No, no, okay. In my undergrad, my first play I did, uh, a friend of mine in undergrad said, you know what, you remind me so much of this guy Trey that I went to high school with in Roanoke, Virginia. Oh, interesting. Uh, I don't remember this, but he came to see the play, and I met him, but I didn't remember. Then when I went to Louisville, I met this amazing actress. Who, she doesn't act in the same way anymore, Janice or work. Janice had gone to JMU, James Madison University, and she said, separate of nothing, oh gosh, you reminded me of my friend Trey, not mm -hmm. knowing it was the same Trey. Right. Then when I moved to New York, I forget how I met Trey. And then we realized it was the same Trey. So we became best friends, and we were both, some of our friends knew which I always say, good luck and good for you and go with God. They knew, like, this is not for me. I don't want to pursue this. I do not, I don't want to live in New York. Well, what makes, do you think, Jason, what makes some people decide to go for it? And I'm assuming that you know people that have been very successful and you know people that have yeah. not been able to do it. And I know all kinds of those people, too. Like, there's people who are uh, not necessarily incredibly talented who've done very well. Okay, so sitting so on the outside looking that. at that, yeah. is there anything you can point to to say, the people I know who are successful mm. have this in common? Is there, is there anything you can point to? It's funny, I go through phases about that. I mean, I do think, I do think um, a drive, definitely. Mm -hmm. Like a drive, a certain amount of discipline. At some point, if you don't have discipline, it's, it's a game. It's are over. you always on time? Mm -hmm. ooh, ooh. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm not, those things I'm good at. But the other kinds of discipline, like, you know, like I wish I went, I wish I was, I've never been like particularly interested in um, like going to the gym. It's not my thing. I love yoga. I love yoga. Yeah, but you're I love trying to get away with it. But like I had been heavy. I was a fat kid and then I turned into like a string bean and then I had like some great lush 20s into 30s where I didn't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in my 40s and I have to worry about it. No, really <laughs> so anyway, so I would say there's a drive. There's a, there's a, there is a genuine, for the people that I respect, there's a genuine positive energy about them when you come into contact with them. That doesn't mean they're effusive. It means they're just, there's a warmth. There's a, I look to different people who are like, that interesting? like it's about, there's a degree of, uh, it's, it's, I feel so much, I'm in this new thing that I started thinking about while I was doing Bernard Hamlin on Broadway in the fall about energy. It's not, it's not that, ho it's not that ho hokey pokey. It's basically that the world reflects back to you what you give. That's oh, I totally I, believe that. You know? I was so, listening to a Deepak meditation while I was speed walking and that's, the whole thing. Yeah. What I put out is what I get back. So yeah. if I'm thinking negatively, if I'm focusing on the lack, yeah. I'm gonna have more. I <laughs> I have had I've gone through phases. It's easy to think positively when things are going well. Yes. It and is. I've gone through phases where you know I part of my discipline was I'm gonna do this. You know, like, like I'm acting like I'm whipping myself. Like, but part of my discipline was I'm gonna do this. And I had friends that just did not 
especially growing up in in like a suburban town, mm-hmm. and you're and I, I noticed this when I went back and taught. You know, there's a there's a there's a pro to going to school in Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. and there's a con. Part of the pro mm-hmm. is if you're interested and you're gonna you're, and you want to figure it out, you're gonna figure it out, and you're in an environment where you can. I do believe in failure and like try fail, try fail, Absolutely. learn, learn, learn. Absolutely. I really believe mm-hmm. in it, especially to be an actor. Like mm-hmm. you have to encourage yourself to stretch and and fail mm-hmm. and so there is that kind of freedom but can you tell us about a failure oh my god oh, just, which just, like just, what kind no, just, what like a, what? Just give us one. we're just talking about acting failures yeah. or like life failures no. because <laughs> the life failures well, are like, like, okay so give me a life failure oh god <laughs> well you went there so now i want to know sometimes i wish i had children by now like it's it's not late it's not too late but it's, it's totally late. not too late it's not too late but it's it's late yeah. so um okay so like, what about a work failure an acting failure oh come on I mean I've definitely had nights of course I've had nights I've performed live you know where you're like there is nothing going on and I've had de- and I've definitely had moments. have you like had people walk out of the theater what, come on, I've had people walk failure. out but mo- mostly for like <laughs> I mean, at the play I did with Hallie at the Geffen, yeah. funny thing happened oh, by the way. Yes, people walked like, out of the theater, but, but they walked out because they didn't like to hear head. like they oh. didn't like to hear bad word. They didn't like to see this guy going down and a girl. Actually, it was really funny. We actually saw people walking out yeah. when you went down when you. Got other people were laughing their asses off. Yes, like, come on! <laughs> there was a part where I was, couldn't I get close enough, and I I pulled over from out of range. It was in the bathroom in a hospital. I pulled over a. Uh, a squatty potty and sat on it. That was the best laugh of the night. <laughs> um, so and, funny. And I can't believe that I forgot it. And I, I, I love. It what does that com- say about I you? It in the <laughs> what, the is it, what is that, Pete? What is that? I don't know. Like I said, I'm divorced twice. I learned to keep my mouth shut. Wow. <laughs> I love that you thought. I Wait, know. You thought I was getting I receiving. Did. I thought you were receiving. I when it was all about a woman receiving. Wow. It's, it's really scary that that's my memory. While Joe Beth so Williams, yes. while Joe Beth Williams was in the bed next to us. That's right. Uh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, anyway, she was. I wasn't thinking much about her because there was so much going on. We were right in front of you. As yeah, they had to add a mirror inside so that House Wright could see oh. what was going on. Oh wow. Anyway, so, so uh, right, kindness, so. Uh, positive energy, a discipline, and um, you have to. I call it being hungry. Um, you have to be humble and hungry. Ooh, hungry. Hungry. I yeah. like that word. So, I got another one too, which I, mean, I really want to patent it. Yeah. I've been saying it for years. Ignorant, where people are, it works both ways. They're arrogant in their ignorance, yep. and they're like, ignorant. It's like I, I, I've never trained, or I've never this. <laughs> like I've never, I, I never read this. And I listen. I'm not a very well-read guy, but I also feel like. There's a lot of people who pretend that they have certain skills that haven't put in any effort and they're just dumb about it and they have zero. I like that word. And then you can also, so it's arrogant about being ignorant and then there's, you can also work that they're ignorant about how arrogant they are. <laughs> you can be ignorant. So they're just so arrogant and they have, they're clueless about it when everybody is sort of okay, have you stepping sent these, away. Have you sent these into Wikipedia? <laughs> oh no. Okay, because now here's the thing. Oh um, no, everyone's our, stealing my no, words. Our friends, no, because our friend Suzanne Wong uh, coined a, a Jeffervescence about her boyfriend. Jeffervescence. And she gave a whole definition. It is in Wikipedia now. Wow. So you could send your words. <laughs> I want this. Make the definite. You could send it into Wikipedia. You could, you could get See? legit 
this Cred- is good. And, and it gets credited to you. I want that. Yeah, you can do that. And that's a little bit of ignorant. No, he's not. He's not ignorant. That's not ignorant. I got to invent a third word. You can't have two words. I think you have to invent yeah. a third. No, well, she only had one, but it worked. So, anyway. so did you have that driving passion? Did you like... I'm gonna do this. Yeah. There's nothing else I'm gonna do. Yes. I'm good at this. I can do this. I, I don't know how much I had. I'm I good at this. Okay, I was trying to slip that one in. Yeah. See if it I got mean, me. I've had to work really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to work really hard to think like, and then when I was like, oh, uh, I am good. At, I mean, there was a part when I was like, oh, I'm good. Okay, or so I was like, that. oh, I'm fooling them. For a while, I was like, I'm fooling everybody. I'm going to be found out. And then I saw Colleen Dewhurst interviewed and something, and I was like, oh, she said the same her. thing. And I was like, oh, well, okay. I, I might be Virginia okay. Gazzara. Oof, I would have loved, I love Ben Gazzara. Yeah, they, they too, he's gone. They, I, but they together were crazy. That was an incredible performance. I saw Ben, no. Nope, wrong, nope. Okay, never mind. But Colleen Dewhurst, I loved her, and then I, I, and then I went and, I'll never forget, I got her you know, Colleen Doris has an autobiography that's very good. I, I did read it, And yeah. Tom Viola uh, edited it and made it happen. Tom mm-hmm. Viola is the president of Equity. Mm-hmm. He was her assistant when yes, she was I, president. Yes, actually, yes, I actually and, know that. Okay. And uh, the story is, the best thing about the book is different people... Um, basically, she got an advance in the book. Okay. She used the advance to paint the front three sides of her house because <laughs> the front three sides look like shit. In Connecticut, and I think the neighbors were upset, but she did not paint the fourth side. So she painted the front three sides, and then she was so late in doing the book, and she couldn't get it together. And the publishers were like, they "We're gonna, we want the advance back." And so I, this is how I've heard the story anyway. And then Tom sat with her and interviewed her, and then they tried to coordinate it. And then I don't know if it was after because she passed pretty quickly, mm-hmm. or. Basically, what they did was they she would talk about Maureen Stapleton or um, whomever, and then they would go there or, or, and get and interview them, mm-hmm. and then get like a feedback feedback mm-hmm. about them. Like, mm-hmm. um, what was that great actor's name? I'm spacing his name right now. Um, he oh, gosh. Anyway, he's like he had this. He's he talks about doing Shakespeare with her, Shakespeare in the Park, and hearing like this. He auditioned. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, What's his name? Anyway, African-American actor now. He's got to be in his 80s. Incredible voice. And he just heard her laugh in the theater. Not James Earl Jones? No. Um, it begins with an R. And he's, um, he's a great voice. He was a great stage actor, especially with text. Anyway, okay. so he heard her voice. She had like a, this iconic uh-huh. laugh. Uh-huh. And then they became very close friends after that. So, uh, I don't know how we got Nicole. Yeah. I'm really so, confused now. So, so... Oh, we were talking about being knowing when you're good and, and so I knew I could I knew I was I knew I had discipline I knew I had something and I knew I had a desire to get better okay so what makes the decision for you to apply to grad school How, what happens there my friends are moving out of New York mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do to survive I was also tired from after a year and a half so I'm in my early 20s mm-hmm. and New York was the first time where I realized I knew as a suburb kid and coming from a small town to go to change the game to flip the table from my family history to go to a bigger city mm-hmm. and to try to do something different. Mm-hmm. And I'm the second person to get a degree in my family, so that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, an undergraduate degree and the first to get a master's degree. And um, so I knew we were changing it, but I didn't quite understand inherently the nature of access, 
by money or access to the business or living in a big city. I didn't quite, I still take all of that as part of my journey with, and I hold it with such pride in terms of small town, suburb, and then living in New York City for 23 years. And NYU, most expensive school in the world. I didn't know that at the time. I literally, <laughs> this is a true story. I was like, somebody said NYU has a good program. I was like, really? I didn't know anything about it. Okay. And um, it was too late to audition for Yale. It was too late to audition for Juilliard. I also didn't, I was too intimidated by Juilliard, but I also didn't want to go do a four-year program. Mm -hmm. um, I had, when I left Louisville, a friend of mine was running the Oslo Theater and said, why don't you come down here? And I was like, I don't want to go to grad school. But I went down and looked at the Oslo program and I decided I didn't want to do that right then and I went to New York. So it was February or something mm -hmm. and I walked, I heard NYU had a good program. I walked into the building. I filled the first application out by hand with a pencil <laughs> and I gave a check for the audition, the thing and you had to bring, I could bring my letters of recommendation and my resume and stuff with me to the audition in two weeks and so then I just did it and I had people, my dad said please don't do this because of the debt and my head acting teacher who is my friend Gary Hopper, he's like don't go to grad school, you don't want to go to grad school and this is all before computers of course. Mm -hmm. So um, got the letters and then I auditioned and I was what like, was we'll your, see. what was your audition? I did the Banished speech from Romeo and Juliet, which I just saw Romeo and Juliet, uh, the old globe, um, with wow. Aaron Moten playing Romeo, who's in next with me. That's why I went to see it. Fabulous. And, um, and I also did a, a, a monologue from a play called Life During Wartime. Um, and, uh, and then I got called back and I was like, I'm just going to go. We'll see. Does it matter about your grades when you're going to uh, grad school at NYU? Were your grades good enough to... My grades were fine. Mm -hmm. um, it, they didn't have to be stellar? You didn't have to be like a... No. I mean, even in college, the truth is, even in college, I had all superior marks in all my creative courses in art history and movement and stuff. But like there was a... And I, and I took like over the summer, I did like a the earth science requirement. Right. And all those things. Right. But I had a... Uh, I had a... I failed out of a class because I didn't do a paper. Like I was one of the, I was like a super procrastination guy. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it would go great, and sometimes it would go bad. Mm -hmm. So um, no, so my grades were fine. And then I got in, and I went to the interview, and they said, "Well, how are you? Like you had to write income down." And I literally had two hundred and fifty dollars to my name. And they said, "How are you going to pay for this?" And I said, "I don't. I guess I'll have to figure it out." Like I really, I really had no. That idea. was a, that was very ballsy. It was because when I graduated from there in nineteen ninety. Two, is that correct? No, sorry, 1997. Mm -hmm. uh, in 1997, I got my master's degree and I had about $70,000 of debt. Now they're graduating like 135. And so I paid off all of that graduate school debt like two years ago, which was a big deal for me. Everyone was like, just, it's, it's like low interest. Just put it in retirement. And I was like, I just, I want that debt gone. And then it's 70,000 a year now, uh, undergraduate. Well, then also yeah. when you get out, and then I started working, I was doing, I was doing five, six plays a year. And, but I, you can't make any, you couldn't right. really make any money in the theater. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just going further into debt. Mm -hmm. So I had like a bunch of credit card debt and, you know, I had, I mean, I had it, it was important to me. Like it was. And it was, was it a, worth it? I mean, ask me what oh, day. Okay. What day? Oh. <laughs> no, it's, it definitely was worth it. I have, I have an, I've traveled the world. I've performed in the West End. I've performed on Broadway. I've performed in the middle of the country. I get to do. I changed the game. Like I, I, I value artistry in a very specific way, and 
you know, right now the right now the the butt in the back is about like um, maybe not following through on some of my own um, drive in certain ways. I, like I, I think what? I'm. A, like, what would you like? I to I, I, I know this is gonna sound bad, but I know I'm. I know I am a good theater director. Like I, I just know I am. I know from the notes. I know from the conversations, and I'm angry at myself that I haven't like really pursued that. Just because. Have you done it at all? I've done it a little bit, and it went well. Mm-hmm. It went great, mm-hmm. and I love when friends want. You know, have asked me to come in and. I feel really good about how I toe that line carefully and just mm-hmm. try to figure out what question they're asking, asking what question they're asking. Um, and I've also watched, I've seen a lot of theater. I love, I'm very at home in the theater. I drove down to San Diego and saw two plays in one day. Go back that night after Romeo and Juliet. You make me feel so guilty, Michael Verrata. I didn't get down to see your play. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Are you going to go see the Steve Martin play, Underpants? The Underpants? Yeah. yeah. Is it? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I know something that was... Cast in his Broadway. Oh yeah. And then got fired. Anyway, oh yeah. Oh. That's another story. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so I I feel very comfortable there, and I, I really do love doing film and television, and I'm learning. Okay, so let's better. talk about how did that happen for you? So you're doing. Sure. So so you you go and you do your undergraduate. Are you are you? I get it. Are you perform? I mean, you're a graduate. Are yeah. you a working actor while that's happening? No. Or are you full time student? No, no. When you're at the grad program is very different from the undergrad program mm-hmm. than when you. It takes up to 20. We had 17, um, 10 men, 7 women. Mm-hmm. And um, it is very intense. It's it's like, it's, it's the, the funny part about it was I had worked like a dog in the apprentice program. So I knew what that was. I knew what sleepless, and I knew what that drive was. Mm-hmm. And some people in my program were like, this is too much. <laughs> and I was like, we're paying a lot of money. Um, but it was no no it was it's intensive and you you have a whole season of plays your first year you don't perform it's all changed yeah uh, since I graduated mm-hmm. but your first year you didn't perform uh, you did a Shakespeare play at the end mm-hmm. and then you had like uh, four plays each season eight plays per class and you would be divided into two groups doing plays so um, and then I graduated I worked in the park in Henry the Eighth mm-hmm. um, and then I couldn't I was able to get an agent which a lot of my friends didn't. Mm-hmm. And then in, so that was the summer. And then I got a job uh, in uh, Macbeth with Alec Baldwin and Angela Bassett, Leah Schreiber, oh, wow. Michael C. Hall. Um, wow. Yeah, so Michael was a classmate of, ahead of mine and nobody knew who Michael was and it was really funny because everyone would, like Alec and Liev would like pull Michael aside and they'd be like, this is what's gonna happen. And, <laughs> and then, and, you know, and they would talk to them. What and I, that <clears throat> is. It was pretty incredible. Wow. Um, and uh, my friend Adam Danheiser, who stars in Beetlejuice now, mm-hmm. he'd also, he was- We a, saw that, oh, oh. Not, Harry's not here. I'm, oh. I'm looking like Harry's there. Yeah, he's like, uh, I don't know the characters. He's like, a, he's a great, funny, hilarious, he's like uh, Leslie Kritzer's it's him him and Leslie Kritzer. Leslie Kritzer was was she nominated for a Tony? She wanted to be nominated. She's a great she's really funny. She's, she's the one with she the red ball. She was very funny and I believe she was nominated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I think she, she was she, I think he was her did counterpart. She win? No, no, no. No. We I would have no. been so excited yeah, yeah. if she won. She's okay. very funny. Yeah. Anyway, so Adam was a third year, Michael was a second year when I was a first year mm-hmm. in the graduate program. So anyway, they would be preparing Michael for his success. And this is before he did Cabaret, before he replaced Alan Cumming in Cabaret. Before he was discovered, did six feet under, and then his career took off. But they I were preparing saw him. Edward. Yeah, mm-hmm. but so they were preparing him, and then Adam Danheiser would be like, 
And, uh, they, why did they pick they him just out knew. to prepare? They just knew. They just knew. He had that X Factor thing. I mean, he's an incredibly attractive guy, an insane voice. Yeah. Insane voice. Mm-hmm. And he's like, a, especially at that time, 19. Uh, Dexter, for those of you who yeah. don't know anything else. And he's like, about a, him. He's like, he's like yeah. a big guy. Yeah. So oh, they just knew. I mean, but like built. It was like defined. Okay. So they could, it made sense. Mm-hmm. So how do you break into film? What's, oh, so. How does that happen for you? It was rough. I was doing all these plays. Soon after that, I did. Soon after that, I went and did the Beauty Queen of Linan in Seattle. And while I was there, uh, Garrett Dillahunt, who's a friend of mine, he's an actor, he's on Deadwood, you'd recognize him. Mm-hmm. He's married to Michelle Hurd, great actress. She's on the new Star Trek thing with, you know, Patrick. And uh, Wilson, so, not Wilson, sorry, Patrick uh, Stewart. Mm-hmm. So um, I did Long Day's Journey Tonight. He, Garrett had to pull out. I did Long Day's Journey Tonight at ACT, began a relationship with ACT. Next year, they asked me, I premiered this play called The Invention of Love that nobody wanted to do. San I was, Francisco. Yeah. And San Francisco, I did it. And nobody was going to mm-hmm. do that play. Carrie Perloff did it first. And it was James Cromwell and myself mm-hmm. as the wow. elder and younger. Mm-hmm. And then um, then they did the play on Broadway with Robert Sean Leonard, different production, different director, different everything, Robert Sean Leonard and Richard Easton. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... I started doing these big premieres. I was doing a lot of off-Broadway plays, especially English premieres, Irish plays. I was always in an English or Irish accent. And um, Speaking of Irish, um, our friend Peg just says that she wants to see you do something with Dennis Leary because you look so much alike. Oh. <laughs> so, and Mary Navaria is watching too. Yes. Um, so, hi Mary. Hi Mary. So, um, anyway, so I, I want, after I... Uh, I forgot how I got... Oh, yeah. I started working with a manager, which wasn't as common at the time. Oh, really? And I got, like, a law and order. Um, From the manager, not the agent? No. Jeff, I left the agency. Agents don't get you work. Agents just make It's actually a really interesting story. I was at a certain agency, Mm -hmm. and my main point person had left. She decided she didn't want to do it anymore. I was at the agency that I... And uh, there was a guy there, and... um, I had just done the premiere of this Tom Stoppard play where everyone was talking like who is this guy and things nice. were happening. Uh-huh. And um, and when I came back, I kept saying, I've never done any television, I really want to do television and and uh, this is it's very different now. It's funny how So it's, this is like, like early 90, it's like it's like two thousand about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, they got me an audition for like a three line part on Law and Order. And I was like I had never said no. I was afraid to say no. But law, law, law and order is like every actor in New York has yeah, law and order. Basically. Right? That's like the thing, yeah, basically. I've done yeah. four of them. Have you? Yeah. So, anyway, so I got this audition. Mm-hmm. It was for a Tiffany's clerk, and he was very, he was, um, he was clearly like very gay and colorful <laughs> and flamboyant and stuff. And, and I didn't want to audition for it. And I said, you know, I, Why? to this agent, I was like, I, listen, there's guys who can do that really well I can do it but um, at the time I was concerned about sending that message out there about myself that that was me also I was like it's three lines and once you do three lines you can't be on that law and order for seven years so what? something like that that was the deal back really then. Mm-hmm. but the agent the agent said to me your expectations are unrealistic when I said I didn't want to audition for a three line part and so I was already like, this doesn't seem like it's going well. And so then so, I, you, so then I, that was that a moment where I yeah. stepped up and I just said, uh, I don't think this is a good relationship. I gotta 
Hi. Good for you. And I had been I had been wanting to meet managers. I met my manager that I am still with to this day. Nice. He's a very different guy than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, like people would always be like, "What?" He's like, "We've it's he's very funny. He's gonna get married. Very funny, like New York raised." Jewish guy who like he loves to like he's he's it's all his dad was a like a public defender so there's a sense of justice in him mm. and he's also like you know he's one of those dudes who like they all love good fellas and they quote <laughs> you know the godfather and I was like maybe I need this and really what he did was he was trying to make a business for himself he submitted me unbeknownst to me for a three scene part on Law and Order, which I was like, I guess I'll go audition, and then I auditioned, and I got it, and I was like, well, this oh, is nice. So I've been with him since. So I did that, and then I did. Um, I made my Broadway debut in another Tom Stoppard play called The Coast of Utopia. Okay, so what's that like for you to get your first Broadway role? It was amazing. I didn't. I had come out to LA to visit, and I got this audition, and I had seen. It's a three-part play. It's twelve hours. It's a trilogy. Wow. And uh, and uh, I had seen two of the three plays in London when I went. And I was like, this is going to come to America. And I'm going to be, uh, if there's a part that I could play, it's this part. But the part I want to play is that part. And so they had called to say they were interested in auditioning me. I was in L.A. visiting and uh, trying to see about living here. And uh, I was like, I want to. Were they auditioning you for it, this part or no, that part? For, they were auditioning me for the part that for I knew they were going to. For this part, yeah, yeah. Uh, Billy Crudup played the part oh. I wanted to play, and he got a Tony for it. It was a great part. Bolinsky was a great part. Anyway, so um, and my part was good. I played Ivan Turgenev, and oh, wow. part of the fun of playing Turgenev was uh, a bunch of people played different parts in different plays. I played the same man in age mm. from like eighteen to sixty-five, so mm. that part was really fun. Mm-hmm. But Turgenev was a real observer, and Tom, and sort of, and was in some ways he was a pseudo Tom Stoppard in the script, mm-hmm. in a way. You know how playwrights. Write themselves, and they think sometimes playwrights think they're writing themselves here, but they're really writing themselves over there. <laughs> so he just was like an observer, and so I was there a lot. It was great. It was the best. There were forty-five actors, and Lincoln Center. Wow. Lincoln Center made it. They showed they Lincoln Center did something so amazing with that play, which was besides the fact that it was a twelve-hour play and creating an event of theater and casting forty-five actors in a play, they made it. They basically said to the producing world of New York. You can do it, and uh, for you to say you can't is wrong. Like, after that, there were a bunch of more event kind of theater things that would happen, and they did other trilogies, other, you know, they, other, That's uh, so Angels much. in America, obviously. It was, no, it was after oh, Angels. It was, it, oh, it's after Angels. Yeah. Okay. But like, 45 actors. When we would do the 12 hour days, when we would do, the audiences would come at 11, see the first play, go to lunch, see the second play, come back, go to dinner, <gasps> see the third play. They'd and see so, them all in one day? Yeah. And you do the whole play, and when I you came out, you, there was a special curtain call for that, and it was just you would just be sobbing because like you all had been through this experience. For I hours. can't believe that an audience would. It was I, amazing I was about the Russian, about, about the Decembrists, and like Hertzen, and like a oh bunch of Russian God. history that people. Don't know. What kind of people were in the audience? I mean, Tom has, he has a lot mm. of smart people, mm. a lot of people pretending to be smart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. And you're like, oh, okay, you, you're so smart. Other people sleeping in the audience. Of course, of course. And this was also cell phones weren't going off yet because yeah. that was. Oh no, sorry. Yes, they were. Not as bad though. But I'll never forget when Bill and Hillary came. And, wow. Anyway, so I did that play. I did that play, and Turgenev and I had played. I had done. I played the Glass Menagerie with Sally Field the first time she did it at the Kennedy Center. Okay, so I, now I what's that? What's that like? That was heaven. That was like one of the most that. 
that is an experience I, that that was one of the most important experiences in the theater in my life like I just it's one of them it was Sally Field Jenny Dundas who was the original Thomasina in um, Arcadia Tom Chopper play on Broadway and then it was a guy Corey Brill who lives here and um, it was at the Kennedy Center I had been an usher at the Kennedy Center when I was 17 years old ushering for Lily Tomlin's Search for Signs and all the lesbians were like you should come with us and I was like why? <laughs> and uh, and um, I went to undergrad instead and then um, yeah it was great and then there were reviews that were like this if this doesn't come to Broadway it's a problem but we didn't our production didn't have the rights. Um, what was Jessica Lane and Sarah Paulson had the rights, and Sarah and I weren't friends. Okay, yet, we were now friends. Sarah, I, I go. We're going to, everywhere. I go to your IMDb, uh, not not your IMDb. I go, I googled Instagram. you oh. and went to images. Oh yeah. And you and Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Are everywhere all the time for years. Yeah. What is Very that? Very lucky. What is that? She's this is the most amazing friend. I when I I met her doing uh, the cherry orchard at the taper, in like. 2005 or 6 mm -hmm. in fact I think I had I think I had just finished that when they wanted me to audition for um, Coast of Utopia and I was like I don't want to do that and then I did and I got it anyway um, so then we became friends and she just is she's one of my closest friends she's an, she is a she's 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 a she's a very special human being obviously she's gifted and she's hilarious and talented and so funny that I just want her to do more comedy I was just texting her I was like more comedy, I like that. She's Holland, really one of the funniest people. by the people. way, was in the living room. Oh, really? Holland did Women Who Write. Yes, Holland is did. also very funny. Yes, yes, she is very funny. So, I've known Sarah for like a long time since then. Oh. And she, she's like, she's really... She and then Pedro Pascal, who mm -hmm. was um, her friend Pedro, who was on Game of Thrones and Narcos and stuff. He and then we were friends through Sarah. Chris Broncado created Narcos. Oh. Yeah. Wow. He has a new show... Uh, something of Harlem that's debuting in like a week or two. Oh. Yeah. So sorry, just to bring us. So after we did Coast of Utopia, which was about ten months, mm -hmm. and I was playing this Turgenev. I, I play a lot of writers, a lot of um, thinkers, contemplative, emotional. There's frequently a degree of melancholy. There's a degree of effete, you know, tortured emotionality. And I was like, why? I'm never dangerous. I'm tired of never getting to be dangerous. Oh God, you're always dangerous. No, no, now. I hadn't been yet. Yeah, yeah. And then so I auditioned for that. And the end of the summer, I auditioned for the Changeling with Clint Eastwood's movie with Angelina Jolie, where I played Gordon Northcott, who was a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And that was the first. I was like, this is so exciting. I'm gonna be dangerous. So how how and then did I got you do that. something different to in that audition? to get that role I no mean, no the, the power of that is the power in that is that Clint literally looks at your audition tape will call you back and then cast you like it's not there isn't a lot of Michigas and a lot of like the, the studios just are like okay go do what you want so I got to be I got to be this crazy bad guy and I was really excited mm -hmm. and it was really fun and, and was I got Clint good to work with really fun I mean he was the first I had done an independent film but he was the first, it was the first feature film I did. Mm -hmm. And it, of course it set the bar in how things can be done, mm -hmm. how communication can happen, how you can work a nine to five day, how, how to treat What kind of director is he? Is he, uh, how You much get like two takes. You get what? <laughs> like two takes. You get two takes, very professional, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, he also like, he's been doing it forever. He trusts, he hires departments, he, he hires good captains, he trusts the captains to do their job. Nice. Like he trusts each of the departments to do their job. So he's and he's worked with them for years. No. Mm -hmm. How about it with actors? 
He's really great. Like he, I, I love that it's a quiet set, but it's a fun set. Hmm. It's quiet. He'll just say like, like there's no action or cut because really yeah because he was he was when he was uh, especially when he was filming it was around horses so they didn't want to spook the horses so they would just start so he just says like let's say some of this shit and then you just do it. <laughs> and then you know every now and then I'd say what do you think about and he would offer like a small thought but mostly he just left you to your own mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. There's some things I did in that movie that I'm so proud of when I look at it, and there's some things I think I, have to go watch I would I, never do that again right now. I don't know if I've ever seen it. I have to watch it. Is it on it's Netflix? It's a really good movie. I'm sure it is. It's a really good movie, and Angelina Jolie is great in it. Michael Kelly, it helped really launch Michael's. I mean, Michael had a pretty good career, but that really pushed him up. Michael was the detective. So anyway, so after I played the serial killer, he's not a pedophile in that we don't know that he... Committed horrible acts with them, but he did kidnap little boys and kill them and soak their bones and lie. But um, so that was the first time. Spoiler alert! That was the first time I played a bad guy, and yes. then that was the thing. And I, there were people who said, "Are you sure you want to do this?" And I was like, "What are you talking about? I get to do this amazing role." Like it was there. I was on Oscar shortlists for out for until wow. And then when the and, and then it didn't happen. Yeah, but um, that's pretty cool. It was amazing because my I'm, my another very close friend Amy Ryan had been nominated a year prior for Gone Baby Gone, and I had watched her process of like oh she's the one getting attention in this movie, and so then we were like is this happening? So anyway, so then after that, they just wanted I just kept getting bad guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean the number of like rapists and murderers and things that I've just been like I can't nope. So what what was the first um, series job that you got? Uh, first series regular job was Alcatraz, which was a uh, bad Jared. robot series. Uh-huh. With, uh, no, no Alcatraz. Oh wait, yeah, yeah Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Sorry, yeah. I forgot for the flashback. Um, and uh, so now, what's that like? That you've got a gig and you're on TV. So and- fun because also I wasn't worrying about money. I mean, I wasn't getting paid that much in terms of the world of television. But for me, come from the theater world, and I was living in Vancouver, which was amazing. I love mm-hmm. Vancouver. I love the food. Of, I'm a bit of a foodie. I love the food there. Sam Neill was the head. What, he was the heaven. Like in I've never been, but oh, what, what, like, what's so special good. about the food in Vancouver? Oh, it's such a great hybrid of, there's a lot of, you know, Eastern culture there. It's, there's delicious. It's great. Ooh, good to know. It's so good. Uh-huh. It was really fun. And, and the, the community, the culture beautiful. is very active. So it's raining or cold and people are on paddle boards. People are biking. People are climbing. I would do the grouse grind, this climb. I went bungee jumping. I loved wow. it. Wow. I loved it. And we shot the pilot for Next there also. I remember mm-hmm. that. Oh, nice. Yeah, but we're not... But, but no, now you have to go to Chicago. Yeah. No. Yeah. Hi, Rick. Chicago's my kind of town. So, so what was the most... Fu- what's been the most fun thing... Work-wise? Yeah. Ooh. I mean, Ozark was very special. Okay. Ozark was special. I had, um, I had done... working with Jason. He's, I had done a movie that he directed called The Family Fang with him where I played the young Chris Walken mm-hmm. and Catherine Hahn. And the young I, Chris Walken? We were, in the flashbacks with the little kids, we uh-huh. started it. Catherine Hahn and I, who had been a dresser for me when I was at Yale and she was at Yale... And um, Wait, anyway, when were you at Yale? No, no, I did play. Sorry, I did okay. plays at Yale okay. in the rep, and she was a student, and she was my dresser, and I was like, "You are the worst dresser, but you're the best. <laughs> you're the best to be around." Um, anyway, so I met Jason, really loved him. It was about a week of flashbacks in this indie mm-hmm. where he and Nicole Kidman. It's based on the book called The Family Fang. It was really good. He did an incredible job in the movie. He's so good as a director. I love him. And um, 
And then I was doing The Crucible on Broadway, the recent Evo, the most recent production, Evo Van Hova, very different. And um, I got an audition. Wait, what were you in The Crucible? I played Paris. Ooh. Yeah. But in Evo's world, that was like Saoirse Ronan. Ben Wishaw was Proctor, oh. which is a very different take. Uh-huh. And Sophie Okonedo was uh, Elizabeth Proctor, which is obviously very different. And um, it was before it was before Saoirse did Lady Bird. Um, but anyway, so it was very different. There was a lot of movement. There was a wolf that walked around on the set. Anyway, so it opened. It was beautiful. It opened with me holding this girl, Elizabeth Teeter, in my arms, just like sobbing. So you didn't... He would go on to be one of the, you know, bad white men. But you, it was able to tell it story about why he started lying in a way that you don't always see anyway so um and then i auditioned and for this part uh i've I, a lot of times these fed guys will come my way and they say no we want brains or we want sophistication but really they want like brawn and like chiseled jaw and you're like okay it's like the number of times that i've I, i've only played jewish guys on stage i've never played a jewish guy jewish Oh, come on. How do you get away with being a Jewish guy? Yes, what were you a Jewish guy in? I did the premiere of this play. Rinna Groff, who's Jewish, she'll cast me as a Jew all the time. <laughs> we did even... This is horrible. We curled my Jewish. hair. I got. I played Eugene Morris Jerome and won the Phoebe Award. My boyfriend's <laughs> Jewish. My stepdad's Jewish. I lived in New York City for 23 years. There's some I things I know, some things I don't. Well, I can see the attitude, but the physicalization is just... Anyway. Yeah. So, um... So anyway, so I then I, and then uh, on Ozark, then I got the part, and he's just Jason's a, Jason is a truly exceptional person, and I knew Laura Linney casually from the theater scene, and now Laura and I are very close because uh, you lived, didn't you? Like we lived together. together. Yeah, yeah. We, we my housing situation the first year was a bust, and she's like, I ended up moving in with her, and then it was really fun, mm-hmm. and then the second year we did it, and now it's there's I think I forget who's living there. Somebody so. I know. Oh, um, Felix Solis is on uh, was is on Ozark this year. Oh, yeah. He he played the living room. Oh, he um, he's an extraordinary actor. Wow. Yeah, I, I saw him in the in the Pulitzer Prize. Oh God, what's it called? Oh, and he did the monologue from the play here. Ooh. Wow. And it's it, it's the most oh the cost of living. Oh, oh yeah, that's and a good play. He did the opening monologue here. Uh, it gives me goosebumps. I saw him do it in the theater. Candy wow. Clark and I went, and everybody in the theater thought he was doing it right to them. Wow. And and I asked him if he'd do it in the living room, and he did. And wow. It was wow. It's like a fifteen minute monologue, twelve oh my fifteen gosh. minute monologue, and it is just he is extraordinary. Wow. And so he had just gotten those art right after he he did that. I said, Are you going to be with my friend? No, but you aren't doing Dead. it anymore. Yeah. Dead. Um, but Ozark was great because he Jason. He's a great leader, and he's been doing this for so long. He just knows. He he knows. It's the way I feel about the theater in a way where I I know what everyone's job is in mm-hmm. the theater, and it's a team effort. And I know how to slide in and do my part, and also tell you like how my part is not being helped. And Jason just knows. I don't know those. I don't know those as well as Jason does. I do. Okay. I know them a lot better now because of two seasons mm-hmm. on Ozark mm-hmm. and because I shadowed Jason. You, I was, okay, I was going to say that because yeah. like Peter Page was telling us yeah. two weeks ago that. The way he became a director and stuff was because Peter, Star, as soon as he was acting, he was shadowing. I shadowed four episodes of Ozark, actually, and it was great, and I loved it. Peter, just to bring it around, so Trey Ellett. Oh, uh, there we go. So Trey okay. met Peter when Trey moved to LA. My best friend Trey. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I finished my graduate degree, started doing plays, and then he got, my friend Trey submitted a cassette of himself singing a nine cassette. songs and got cast as, like, Mark in Rent in, like, the first tour or the second tour, and then he did it on Broadway for a year and a half. So our trajectories went that way in terms of career, and right. at one point we were both in San Francisco. I was doing Long Day's Journey Tonight, and he was doing Rent in San Francisco. Um, anyway, so Trey knew Peter somehow when he moved to L.A. Mm -hmm. I met Peter when I came to L.A. one time visiting him, and I was like, very like, this is his, this is the West Coast friend. Um, and then, um, and then, uh, but Peter and I are very similar. Like, it's really funny. We've come to know each other in ways where we have certain, we have very similar stories. Interesting. And uh, parents and stuff. Mm. We talked about Peter's parents. We haven't talked about yours. So I have my parents. Uh, they're also alive, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. um, my mom. Uh, what I don't know. What can I tell you? My my parents divorced when I was young. Oh, did 70s. your parents support what you were doing? Oh yeah, they did. They they kind of held their breath mm -hmm. because it was a really big deal for my parents for me to pursue something I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, at that point in our American culture. So we're talking, I graduated high school in 88. It was still a big deal for your parents. It was new for your parents to say, I want you to be happy. I want you to do something you're passionate about. Yes. And I want you to get, you know, when my dad was the first to go to college, he had, he wanted to get a degree in like interior design or something. And but what did he? He got a degree in sociology because and obviously his parents were like, my family's like working class. It's like, my family's like, my family are like teachers. All, all my cousins are teachers. Oh. Plumbers, carpenters, workers, military. And what did your father do? He ended up, he end, when we moved to Virginia, we moved for my mom's job mm -hmm. for United Way of America, not his job. And my mom didn't have a college degree. She just was smart as mm -hmm. fuck mm -hmm. and, um, and worked hard. And so my dad got a part in the government. He worked for the FEMA. Mm -hmm. And then my mom stayed at United Way, had an affair, got married to that man, my first stepfather. And then they, and then, so they divorced when I was young. And then... My dad got custody of my brother and I, which was a big deal in the 70s, mm -hmm. and he raised us. And then, um, then what? And then uh, my stepfather so passed away in 2001, and then my mom remarried. And then my dad was married a second time, and then and now he's been with the same person for like 24 years in Delaware. And and they've gotten to see you be successful. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I imagine there's a lot of pride about that. There's tremendous pride. <laughs> It's nice. There's like phases of it, you know. There's phases of. Um, Do they worry about you still? Yeah, I think they worry about because I complain because they're my parents. Like I say, I don't know what's gonna happen. Or then, you know, there'll be like a flash of self righteousness when they'll, you know, my dad's very worried about money and economics and stuff. And it used to be when I was younger, I was like, you, you have to just. I'm in a very different career. We have to table it. Now that I'm getting older, it's like, wait, what's a retirement account? <laughs> I should probably do something. They're pretty, they're very, very supportive. There's a lot of, the only thing with my parents now is sometimes they'll, there's a lot of, um, what's it called with history? Uh, um, what's it called? Reinventive history. They're like, I went to every play. <laughs> I mean, they've seen some stinkers, believe me. They, yeah. they saw me, I did this musical called Ripped, a rock mythical based on Rip Van Winkle in college where I had to um, I had to be a frog I had to be a horse with a three foot 
dick. It was about like I had to like you would be morphed into these things and they've seen some real bad ones. They've seen some I did this beautiful, beautiful play called Orange Flower Water by Craig Wright, mm-hmm. small theater in New York. It was also one of the most special experiences about two couples, affair, divorce. But the audience was there and all four actors, Paul Sparks, Pam Gray, and Ari Barakas and I would be on stage the whole time and the audience would be around us. And there was a very intimate... I'm feeding right into something. Oh, here he's so going. There's a very intimate sex scene. There's a sex scene. There's like a 20-minute sex scene. But like the, the audience is literally like at the edge of the table. Like it's very intimate. And it was I was naked. Pam was slightly Pam had a shirt on, but it was like it was a it was a very legitimately beautiful scene where a couple is based. She says like if you're gonna leave me, we're gonna have sex one more time. And so they start having sex and they start talking about the kids. So it, it, it's like a long scene, and then um, they finish, and then you think they're gonna get back together, um, but then uh, he, he says okay, well I'll I'll tell the kids in the morning, and it's devastating. Did but my mom that? came to see that. Oh. And that was a lot. Oh. That Did you ever lot. see scenes from a marriage? What you oh, were yeah. describing? Yeah. It feels like that, right? Yeah. It sounds a little... I love that movie. And then Ivo Von Hova, who I worked with, that director, he did a scenes from a marriage where he had three separate rooms running concurrently and you would oh, go to wow. each room and there were three sets of the couple and then he opened up all the walls and all three would move around doing these scenes. Wow. It was fascinating. Wow. Great actors. It was really cool. Wow. Um, and how about comedy? Like, is, I love it. I, I've done uh, a lot of comedy on stage. Okay, because I've never seen yeah. you do comedy. No, really. I know. That's yeah. like my that's my thing. Like, is it? My thing is... See, I can't even imagine you doing comedy. No, you have to see it. I mean, there was... Obviously, Halley's play had a lot yes, of humor in it. it did. That was like a stretch. That was that, I played a Jew in that. Um, that was a stretch. <laughs> like, somebody wasn't... Brett Gelman wasn't famous enough yet or wasn't available because that was like a perfect Brett Gelman part. But anyway, um, uh, no, uh, so I love comedy and in terms of on screen, I haven't had that chance. I keep... Do you audition? Yes, I do. And I have to keep really... Because like, they can't see you? They, they don't. They, they don't. I, my voice is different than the guy on Ozarks because he was different and mm-hmm. people... I just did this independent movie in Texas, in Terlingua, Texas, mm-hmm. past like two hours past Marfa, mm-hmm. and great t- thing. And I could see some of those crew members. They think people just think you're that person. Mm. You know, some people. If you're like, I like to shapeshift a bit, so people can't see it. But that's all I want. Like all I want is a comedy. I've, I have okay, so, so many friends. Okay, so let's talk about. So what? What? What is your idea? Like, if you could. I like a. I like a merge. I like a. I like a hybrid of like, like, what? like, like what would be a dream role that somebody else has played that you would that you would covet. Um, oof, hold on, I got well, I got to, I got to come up with something. I mean, the tone, like the first round when the tone of Six Feet Under came around, and it was like a mix where it was drama, but there was humor moments. And then when they were more broad, like if I could be on um, the other two. I love that show. I the don't other know two. that show. It's or Broad City, of course. I love Broad City. If I no no no. Here's here's the definitive. Here's the definitive. <laughs> but here's the definitive from from the from the jump, not from recent. Okay. If I could have been in Fleabag season one, I love if I could be if I could be in Fleabag, if I could have been Andrew Scott, who is the priest in season two, end up. That's it. That's it. That's exactly it. where it's humor. It's wit. It's like wry. It's precision. It's a look. It's that is my wheelhouse. That's my joy. That's my joy. Wow. That's I what love I want. Fleabag. I loved it. Like when I saw Fleabag, I, I watched the first season twice because I just 
I love direct address in the theater, and rarely do I think direct address works on film. Mm-hmm. And she just exploded it, and I was like, "That's." I knew yeah. I was like, "This is how it can work. It doesn't need, uh, it doesn't need Kevin Spacey like mm-hmm. talking to like, which was fine. And yeah. he's of course a talented actor, blah blah blah. But the way f- she does it, it's just so real. And then it's like, little look, mm-hmm. like something horrible is yeah. happening, and the mother says something terrible, and she's just like, "It's my favorite." Yeah, and the other two is about the two, um, their siblings, and the young one makes a video, and he becomes like a Justin Bieber, but he has no talent. And the two elder ones whose lives are falling apart um, are following him to all these events as his career goes up, and one of them is an aspiring actor. That guy is funny. I forget his well, name. What is it called? Funny. The other two. The other two. Yeah, it's is like it Comedy Central. It, was, it, uh, would, it would uh, follow... Uh, 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 I don't know if it would follow Broad City, but and they're amazing, Vicky and I mean, sorry, Jesus, Abby and I, they're so good. I love I love Broad City so much. I thought I, Broad I City. Seen that either. What is I wrong with you? Know. Have you seen Broad City? Nope. No, Pete. We got uh, Pete. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think there are questions. I think everybody's, Nobody. everybody's just kind of just with us. Hi. So <laughs> that's why I want comedy. I really so want comedy. All right. So so we haven't talked about your personal life at all. So you've 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 so I, I, I've been I've been in a relationship now for a long time. I date a writer. Uh, so when great. did He's you great. come out? When did you do that? I mean, I knew when I went to college. I had girlfriends, and did you I was having sex. You had a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I, you know, listen, I'm gay, but I like I I really I when I when I was growing up, um, the idea of fluidity I it's a part of me. It's it's in my family. It's also oh. I'm a very fluid. Guy, I didn't. I wasn't. It wasn't. I the wasn't word a, fluid. Then, yeah, yeah. I very. I believed it. it was all. We'd always talk about the Kinsey scale. You know what I mean? That's what we would sort of joke, and people are like, "What is that? You're either this or you're that." And uh, so I just was open. I didn't. I wasn't. I, it took some courage when I went. When I went to college, mm-hmm. I said, "You know, I'm confused about my sexuality," mm-hmm. and my parents were like, mm-hmm. "And then um, how, but they were how fine." Did that go? Oh, okay. It took. It took time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was nowhere near the stories that you know horror stories that we hear mm-hmm. it took some it took some it took a little bit of time and how how long is it they were i mean they were very like okay and accepting they never mm-hmm. said anything negative i think when you know i think when i started dating somebody and like brought him home it was a moment mm-hmm. you know where i was and how like, long have you been in your current relationship i mean in my culture a lifetime um <laughs> Eight years. And so, how are, how are your parents with 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 Nikki? They love is, him. Okay. They love him. They're afraid of him. They're a little bit because he's like really like he's like really blunt. But my dad's gay also. So my dad had two marriages to women, and then now he's been oh, with see, the same this guy. Oh, see, another part of the story. Now he's been together with the same guy for like twenty. Well, years. how could your father have judgment with you if you know people like? I think he there's internalized homophobia is a big thing. Let alone really? like parental things where you want you know there's there's things where your parents I think there's also there's I've talked about these things with my dad where your parents are living vicariously through you and there's different perceptions about that at different times and that's not all a bad thing Mm -hmm. for your parents to be proud of you and seeing themselves it has moments if you think that it's your success (laughs) and it is a compliment to a parent to their success but it's also not your success mm-hmm. you know and so similarly with my dad there's just I think he, he it took him a while when I went to undergrad and then in my freshman year something happened where I asked him about it 
And he said, I'm not sure. And I said, okay. Um, and, uh, you know, they, but they've been together for a long time. Also, he just, it's a, it's, it's a, at first there was some freedom and, and, uh, and his partner had, had raised his son also, had been married to a woman. And was your father with a woman or with a man when you and your brother went to live with him? He was by himself. He was by himself. And then he married, uh, and then he was dating, he, then he became like the, you know, the ladies man of the 70s of our housing community. Because it, he just was free, mm-hmm. and then he just they, he was having sex with everybody. There were like a lot of ladies, um, and then and then he married one. He married this woman when I was in the sixth grade, and that was not to last long. And then I moved in with my mom and my stepfather, who I was the youngest by far of all. They had, there were five sons between their two marriages. I have one brother, and I was the youngest by far. And then they, I lived with them through my high school years. So, okay, so I have, I have two more questions for okay. you. So, my first question is, is there, th- this show is, is geared mostly to inspire and motivate people and to give sort of an insight into how artists merge creativity and commerce. Oh. Like, what has been the Oof. successful, f- because a lot of people are still trying to do it. Yeah, I mean, the hard thing about that is that the whole structure it was antiquated when I started, and obviously I've been making my life, I've been making a living as an actor, qualified definitions of living, mm-hmm. but being paid to act mm, for over 20 years. Okay, you know, so, now my, years. so let's say we're talking to my daughter, we're talking right. to Samantha, who just got But it's got so different now, but the whole construct is different now because anybody can be a star in a second. Anybody with phones and recordings, there's just so much content and so much fun. You were showing me something that went viral earlier. Yes. It's such, it's such horrible content. I mean, and it's, also, it's, your daughter is savvy to the fact that that is a thing. Like, the uh, contests of, like, Star Search was on when I was a kid. I just but, saw Sam Harris's. Uh, yeah. But it's not the same as American Idol or The Voice or any of these things. It's a different thing. So. People, if you're starting now and you're younger, it's a very different world. I think the hard part is, I was reading an article today actually that a friend that said, whatever, was talking about having, I think you have to have, you just have to, you definitely have to be doing multiple things at the same time. When I started, they're like, no, you really need to focus on just this kind of actor. I did a lot of Shakespeare. When you go to grad school, mm-hmm. you come out, and especially if you're a tall white guy mm-hmm. at the time, you would do a lot of Shakespeare. So I did a lot of Shakespeare, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I gotta stop doing Shakespeare because people think like I only do Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And I like Shakespeare, but I right. would like to do a new play. Right. And then I did some comedies and English plays, and I'm like, oh, he only does English plays. And I'm like, no, I can mm-hmm. do it. So it's always like kind of doing it. And then ultimately now, now more than ever, people really are doing things at the same time, creating things. You know, okay, that parts. was going to be my next question. Have so you I don't know where her skills are or her passions are, but I think if she comes from this household, she knows about a spectrum of a bevy of talent, and I'm sure she knows about creating your own material and owning your own material. Okay, so that's, that's the thing that I would say is like, own your own shit. Create. If Hal Holbrook toured Mark Twain for 30 years of his life, or you know, everybody had different th- things that people have to do to. It, it's it's a it's a challenge to figure out how to feed yourself and how feeding your artistry can sometimes turn into the way that you're then feeding yourself. You know, like so. Okay, so that that's my next question. Have you considered? Have you worked on? 
creating a vehicle for yourself to have that comedy. That I haven't. That's the thing. Why I've, not, Jason? I've done stuff helping things for other people. Yes. And like I have an idea for a movie for Sarah. I have an idea for a movie for Amy. Uh, but I don't do it for myself. Like it's easier for me to say like... Oh, have no, you write it all? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you could... I don't know why I don't. It, I'm not even the kind of actor who... Sometimes I, I have certain Shakespeare roles like, oh, I'd like to play that. I'd like to play that. But I don't have... You know how some actors, they have like... I want to do this, this, this. When I first came out, I was like, I want to be in Master Harold and the Boys. I got too old to do that. I want to play Romeo. I want to play Hamlet. Uh, I did all of those. Did all of those things. But now I don't know what the, I don't know what they are. So I looked to actors who are a little bit older than me, like John Glover. Mm-hmm. I did a play with him where I played the younger version of him, where I would start to ask him roles that he played at certain years of his life. Mm-hmm. This great English actor, Peter Eyre. I call him Hamlet, and I'll just call him up and I'll say, Hamlet, what did you do when you turned fifty? And trying to come up with plays that I want to do, but I don't have. But how about that TV thing? That, the TV that, thing, that comedy TV thing that you're coveting that you'd like. I to think do. I I have two stories, and I went for the first time and did a general where it turned into a slight pitch with a certain producer, comedy company producer. I didn't realize it was a pitch, and I was like, oh, I'm pitching. Mm. Um, and then I realized how good one of the stories was that's true to my life, and I just haven't. I need to make it a story. I need to do it. I need to make it. You need to do it. Okay, good. Yay, a question. Pete, curious as to what Jason will be doing in Chicago. The show, it's a new show called Next. It'll come out in the spring. uh, Next on Fox um, with John Slattery about artificial intelligence taking over the world. Rick obviously came and went and had a life. But well, where should I live? I have so, to find a place to live. All right, so Rick, Jason where do I live? needs living suggestions and probably some good foodie suggestions. Yeah. Do you have good foodie places in Chicago? I have a couple because okay. I have befriended some people who are publicists for restaurants. And so they're like, they sent me a list. And God knows there's such great theater in Chicago. That's oh, probably yeah. be fun. And the music. There's great and theater. since it's an ensemble show, I'll have time off so I can actually go to the theater. So I'm excited. Nice. Is there great theater in Chicago? Oh! Yeah. It's people student, people are going to Chicago now as opposed to New York. Is that so? Because mm-hmm. there's the Guthrie, there's the Steppenwolf. Mm-hmm. There's also it's a community of um, a bunch of small theater companies that all perform in different venues now. Like there's so many. Like the, I did this production of Our Town. I mm-hmm. replaced as the stage manager for David Cromer, who directed it and started it, and it ran for like a year and a half in New York. Um, but there's just there's like tons of theater companies there. Yeah, I've never done a play there. I got asked to play a Shakespeare part, and I couldn't because I got um, Bernhard Hamlet, and I did that instead. That was a pretty good choice. I thought so too. Yeah, <laughs> starring on Broadway doesn't stink at all. It was it was amazing. It, yeah, and I got to see it. I got you to saw see like the first I preview. I saw the first preview. It was a little rough. No, but it but, was, uh, it was, you it was beautiful. Well, Jason, thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally got to do the speech. We haven't talked to you like this whole show. Pete, you have anything to talk to us about? Pete, what happened on your way here? What's going on, Pete? Uh, I'm coming over there. Yeah, come over here. Come around. Yeah, so come on in. What do you want to talk about? Have a piece of watermelon. Is is work happening? What's happening, Pete? You're not allowed to leave on a Wednesday. So I'm leaving in a couple of weeks. Wow. Where are you going? Uh, let's see, San Francisco for a night doing a show, and then I fly to Cleveland, and I go to Detroit for four nights and do five shows, I think. Wow. Pete is the uh, rock and roll comedian. He plays electric guitar. And Half my stand-up, so I do this oh. history of rock, but it's comedy. But it's comedy. And I, play, I can do like Eruption, like Van Halen, but I, I make it funny. <laughs> wow. 
I do it naked. Isn't that weird? No. Figure. But you're holding your guitar, so that's right. A well placed guitar. Two my G string. Anyway, hey. Hey, hey, thank you. Anyway, that's what I'm up to right now. Well, that's really good, Pete. Well, I'm sorry. You've been very quiet. So you've just been like listening and focusing. just been quiet. Focusing. You're focusing I'm, on questions. I like a lot for everybody so that you know that, like I'm acknowledging that you're here. <laughs> so so, you're, so we didn't acknowledge anybody. So Phil Frank, Isaacson. Michael, hi, Phil. Pamela Cameron's watching. Scott, Scott Kranz, I know him from New York from a million years ago. Tony, Karen. Hi, Karen. Hi, John Green. Patrick Reese, hi. These are these are showing. Oh. Hi, Carol. Oh, something's going on. What's going hey. on? Hey, Jason was great. great. Oh, Rick, that's Rick. That's your Chicago friend. Your new Chicago yep. friend. So yeah. There it so, is. He has nothing so, to sneeze at. So, oh, hey, no, you didn't. I, I won't be using. No, you didn't. <laughs> um, so anyway, so next Amazing. week I'm trying to remember. Oh, here, let me tell you who's going to be on with us next week because I can't remember Pete, and maybe I can even see who's coming on next week. Jake Hogan. Mm. Jay, um, Modern Family. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we're gonna we're gonna be laughing. Yeah. You know, he has a lot to do with the comedy. Mm. He, you know, Jay Kogan. Okay. He's writer on Modern Family. He would not be a bad person for you to know. Modern wow. Family is a funny show. It is very funny. And they like the gays. I, I, my friend Casey <laughs> Mahaffey is a great. <laughs> so funny. So you know, you just never know what can happen. Actually, when we went and did, uh, we did Bert. We interviewed Bert Young, mm-hmm. and the next day I got a call from Eliza Roberts, and Bert got a part in an independent feature the next day. That's amazing. So you never know what can happen from Come this, on. Jason. Listen, right. you, you might end up getting a job in craft services. No, I might. No, you could be. You as could long be, as they have. You could be making us laugh any day. We just don't God. know. We don't know who could be What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Thank you so much for Thank you very this. much. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, so you have to get the camera. All so right. we'll see you all next Wednesday. And uh, by the way, if you haven't watched yesterday, Lainey Kazam was in the living room with James Morrison and Peter Onorati, and it was the most exceptional show. It's on my Facebook. Please check it out. They were amazing. Thanks a lot. Take care.